0: Good morning. Our reading today comes from Romans 4, verse 1 through 17. <clears throat> what, what then shall we say to Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin in the Lord, whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised, or is it for the uncircumcised? We have been we have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it? Was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but, not, but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. He, and he, is also the father of the circumcised, who are not only, who are not only, who are not only are circumcised, but but who are also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by the law of heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Because law brings wrath and where there is no law there is no transgression. Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring not only to those who are of the law but to those who are of the faith of Abraham he is the father to he is the father of us all as it is written i have made you the father of many nations he is our father in the sight of god in whom he believed the god who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as they not as though they were
1: hey good morning everyone guess i should have sat a little closer that felt like a long walk down here i was at the back so well we uh hopefully many of you have plans for thanksgiving hopefully you have plans to either make a nice big turkey or a ham but i heard there's a few that have made chicken instead which is kind of different but that's okay whatever you decide to do hopefully you're You're spending it with family and friends, and you enjoy your time together. Because I think that's the idea of Thanksgiving. So uh, I have a couple of things I want to mention. One, um, some of you have met Nicholas along when he was here a couple of weeks ago. So he asked me to say hi to everybody. So hi from Nicholas. And he will be with us on the last weekend of this month. So he's hoping to join us and be with us. So hopefully uh, some of you will go over and say hi to him and, and make him feel welcome uh and uh well actually i can't remember what the other thing was well let's just jump right into the lesson so so we're going to be looking at romans chapter four this morning we looked at uh chapter three we looked at chapters one and two and let me do it just a, a quick recap of what we looked at last week um we talked about the justification and the righteousness of god he is a just god and then he's the one who justifies us. He's the one who takes care of our sin problem. Because as long as our sins remain on us, we can never get close enough, never draw close enough to God. Not the way we would like to. So they have to be removed, which equates to or which translates to forgiveness from God. We need to be forgiven from God. So. And this is something that only God can do for us. We will never be perfect on our own. We can never be good enough to meet God's high Standards. We fail miserably. But salvation doesn't depend on us. It depends on God and His righteousness. And it's a good thing for us that it does. As mentioned last week, you know, our performance as we live in this world, you know, if we were to stand before God and and face judgment, you know, can we honestly say, according to our performance, that we have earned a place in heaven? And obviously the answer is no, we have not. So. As we pointed out last week in chapter 3, and as we move forward into chapter 4, Paul was dealing with Jews who were trying to convince the Gentile converts that they also had to follow the law of Moses and be circumcised to be saved. Uh, We can clearly see this by the reading that we had, and chapter 3, verses 27 to 31, that's the section that I'm kind of skipping over. Well, we're going to read that before we jump into chapter 4. What we looked at last week was verses 21 down to 26. We had a recap of chapters 1 and 2 and chapter 3 up to that text that we had last week. And we're going to look at the verses 27 down to 31 before jumping into chapter 4. So if you can read with me, we have it up here for you to read. So the Apostle Paul says, where then is where then is boasting? It is excluded on what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So he says that both will be justified by faith, both the Jews who are trying to hang on to the law of Moses and the Gentiles. And so he's trying to get a message across to these Jews. They're trying to convince these Gentiles you have to follow the law of Moses. Paul's trying to tell them, no, you guys are following the law of Moses, and you're not justified before God. So the section we looked at last week for our text, and this reading here helps us to understand that Paul is trying to get through to these Jews and saying, no, you guys have it all wrong. We can understand that Paul's what he's dealing with, who he's dealing with. And so Paul had stated earlier in verse 10 that there is no unrighteous, not one, not the Jews, not the Gentiles. And so the Jews need to understand that. So at this point, let me clear up something that I said last week because I think it caused some confusion, and I want to just clear up that confusion. And what I said was, that both Jew and Gentile were under law. Now, that doesn't mean that the Gentiles were obligated to follow the law of Moses to the letter, like the Jews were, because that means they were under the blessing and the curses, just like the Jews were, and that's not exactly what I'm talking about. And so, Romans chapter 3, verse 9 says, What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin, are all under sin. So all under sin, which means all under the law of God. Does that mean we're specifically talking about the law of Moses? Well, let me clear up the confusion. The answer is yes and no. So hopefully that helps you. Let me clear up a little bit more than that. What I mean by this is the law was the law even before God gave it to the Israelites. When we think of do not kill, do not steal, that was the law of God before it was put in writing. And so everybody is under the law of God. And so, God did not put everything in the law of Moses that he wanted to be followed. So, the law of God existed before the law of Moses existed. So, if God wanted everything that he wanted us to follow to the letter to be written, the book would be so large that the temple would be filled with his his writings, and it would be bigger than that. And so, do not kill, do not steal, etc. These were the laws of God long before they were put in writing. The laws are God's standard. The word of God that we have today is God's standard. I want to give a couple examples. Think of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam was guilty of breaking the law of God when he ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't have the law of Moses, but he was given a commandment. He was given a law by God, and he broke it. And so the law of God existed long before the law of Moses existed. If we think of the people during the time of Noah, they were under God's law, and they were guilty of being evil all the time. It's God's law. They did not seek God, nor did they want to. They were so evil that God was grieved that he ever made mankind. You imagine God so hurt that he, he was actually regretting that he had created mankind. Well, under God's law, his high standard He brought justice upon that generation, but Noah and his family were saved. They lived. So today, people are also under God's law. We're under God's law, and everyone is guilty of breaking it at some point. Everybody. We read a while ago, Romans 3, verse verse 10, as it is written, there is no unrighteous, not even one. Everybody's guilty of breaking God's law. That means we've sinned, we broke God's law, even though we didn't know it. So, we have the word of God today to tell us how to be saved and how to be right with God again. Our sins have to be removed. That's what we talked about last week. The sins have to be removed. It's something that only God can do for us. Jesus paid the price to make that happen. So, through Christ comes the righteousness of God. But it's interesting, as we talked about last week, God is the one that is just and justifies the sinner. God takes care of the problem for us. And so we, now we come back to what is happening in chapters 3 and 4. Paul is trying to get through to the Jews, trying to convince the Jews that stop teaching the Gentiles that they have to follow the law of Moses and be circumcised. That the Jews wanted the Gentiles to hold on to this high standards, the high standards of the law of Moses. But they themselves were not holding on to those high standards. They were guilty of breaking the law of Moses themselves. So have you ever had somebody come up to you that was so passionate about something that they believed, but even they weren't doing it and they're trying to convince you to do the same thing? Maybe you can think of an example. I can think of a few. And that's what it's like. Here they are. Oh, yeah, this is good. You have to follow this. This is what you need to do to be right with God. But they weren't doing it themselves. And so Paul was telling the Jews that if they wanted to be the people of God, that they needed to obey God by coming to Christ. And then they would continue to be the people of God. We have to remember the gospel came to the Jews first. And so if they came to Christ, they would continue to be the people of God. And so Paul is trying to get through to them. So now we come to verses 1 to 17 and of chapter 4. The apostle Paul talked about Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham did not live by the law of Moses. Obviously, Moses came after Abraham, so he wasn't under the law of Moses, right? He lived by faith, and it says that Abraham's faith was credited as righteousness. He lived by faith, and Abraham was later circumcised and became the father of those who were circumcised. So Romans chapter 4, verses 10 and 12, looks like I already have it up there. Let's read those verses Romans chapter 4, verses 10 and 12 from the reading that we had earlier. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might might be credited to them. And he's also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. And so Abraham became the father of both the Israelites, who later became known as the Jews, and he became the father of the uncircumcised, which was everybody who was not a Jew. So Greeks, Romans, Asians, etc., and they would be later known as the Gentiles. So Abraham is the father of everyone. A promise was made to Abraham that he would be the father of many. Well, this promise came through faith. It didn't come through the law. It came through faith. Paul wanted his readers to understand that justification came by faith in God and what he did. So Paul wanted to show evidence that Abraham had faith in God before he was even circumcised, while he was uncircumcised, before circumcision came and his faith was credited to him as righteousness think about it abraham was a gentile before he ever became a jew he was a, he was a gentile and so think about what's going on here here's paul trying to convince these jews that they have it all wrong they hold abraham in high praise and they lift abraham up as the father of the jews and here's paul trying to tell them hey do you realize he was a gentile before he was a jew So imagine how that must have felt to the Jew hearing that. The one they held in such high regard as the father of the Jews. And they're being told this. So Abraham did not have the law of Moses, and he was one of God's people. So obviously their argument, trying to convince the Gentiles, look, you have to follow the law of Moses to be circumcised to be one of God's people. Well, Paul's saying, no, Abraham was one of God's people before he received circumcision. So what do you do with that? And so his point is clear. And so now we come to our text, chapter 4, verses 18, to chapter 5, verse 2. So let's start off by reading verse 18. Oh, getting ahead here. Get back there. Oh, I see what's going on. I'm looking at that screen, and I should be looking at my computer. There we go. Oh, boy. This is. All right. All right, oh, and uh, yes, so I was also going to mention Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. As you can see there, says that God called Abraham his friend. So I'm missing that one detail. Sorry about that. God called Abraham his friend long before he was circumcised. So to the Jews, they need to realize that they could be God's friend without the law of Moses, without circumcision. He was his friend, and Abraham Walked by faith. So now we come to our text. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 4. Read with me if you will. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So we see that Paul used the account of Abraham to show his audience that Abraham kept that great faith of his. Even in the hardest of times. Against all hope it says. Paul described a living, active, and working faith. Paul then pointed to the promise, so shall your offspring be. So all those who would come after him, those who would be men and women of faith and follow God would be his children, children of the promise. You might remember last week we looked at Galatians chapter 3, and it talked about that very thing. Abraham believed God's promise, believed that God could do what he said he would do. Abraham would have many descendants, he would become the father of many nations. Imagine if God came up to you and told you that, that you're going to be the father of many nations. You know, we would be skeptical, wouldn't we? But he believed. He believed, and he became the father of many nations. Verses 19 to 21 now. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham understood his mortality. He understood that he was getting old and at some point would die, though he didn't know when. But he believed that. He knew he was going to die at some point. Well, even though he was faced with this fact, he believed God when God said that Abraham and Sarah would have a son in their old age. Do you remember how old they were at the time? They were quite old. And so it was a promise that God made. And remember this. All right. So God always keeps his promises. That's what I want you to remember, that God always keeps his promises. God is not like us, like humans, where we break our promises from time to time. God always keeps his promises. And so Abraham was fully persuaded, or as some translations say, fully assured, or fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. He was convinced. He didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't need to hear anything. He knew that God uh, would keep his promise. So now we look at Hebrews chapter 11. This is where we are now here. 11 verses 11 and 12. In Hebrews, the writer of the book of Hebrews talked about Abraham, the man of faith. And read along with me, if you will. In Hebrews chapter 11 verses 11 and 12 says this. By faith... Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So back to our text now in Romans, Paul wanted his audience to understand that they were children of Abraham and children of promises. Abraham took God at his word. Well, this is faith, and we should have that same kind of trusting faith. We should be able to take God at his word. Think about the expression, take God at his word. Take God at his word. Believe what the word says, and believe God, and take God at his word. This is faith, and we should have that faith. This, is, this would have been difficult, when you think about it, for the Jews to hear especially because of what they were trying to do. They were also persuaded, but they were persuaded that everyone needed to obey the law of Moses, and so to be seen as right in the sight of God. That's what they believed, and they wanted the Gentiles to do the same. They couldn't accept that they were wrong. you got to remember the Jews were very prideful people. Do you remember the expression that was used to describe the Jews? They were called a stiff-necked people. Picture somebody who's stiff-necked, you know, the... The neck is so stiff they can't move it, and they're, you know, stiff. What, what's the impression you get of somebody who's stiff-necked and walking around like that, you know? So they're stiff-necked people. So now we come to verses 22 to 25 in our text, Romans chapter 4, and read along if you will. Romans chapter 4, verses 22 to 25 now. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So as mentioned before, we should have this same faith, this faith that was credited to Abraham as righteousness. He believed in God. He believed that God could do anything that God said he would do. He was considered righteous for his trust, righteous for his obedience. What is considered righteousness in the sight of God today? When we look in the world today, well, we know it isn't self-righteousness because that's what we see in the world today. True righteousness today is believing in Jesus, coming to him and doing what he said in his word. And that is faith. And our faith will be credited as righteousness. Last week, we talked about being saved by the righteousness of God. This week, we are talking about God viewing us as righteous. If we truly believe in him, we trust in him, and we obey him. God views that as us being righteous. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins. He died in order to set us free from sin and to make us right with God again. When we believe this good news about Christ's death and resurrection, and we repent and we respond to that good news through baptism, we become justified. We are being justified by what, by what Christ has done, not by what we have done. We're being justified by the blood of the Lamb, blood of Jesus, God the Son. Let's take a look at chapter 5 now, verses 1 and 2. And I always find it interesting when you go through the text and you see the word therefore, because therefore always refers to what, what has just been talked about, everything that's been said previously. And so we come to chapter five, the first two verses. Therefore, in light of what I just said, Paul says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Therefore, so think about everything he just said. Paul shared with his audience the end result of that faith which was peace with God. That's what we have. We have peace with God because of our faith, our obedient faith. This wonderful peace comes through Jesus, whom we also gain access to the wonderful grace of God. We mentioned last week, grace, gift. It's a gift from God. For those of us who have decided to put on Christ through baptism, we stand in this grace right now. Abraham also stood in the grace of God because of his obedient faith. So there's a lot of things that we can learn from these passages that we looked at. But the one thing that I would like us to look at and pay close attention to is this. Abraham was persuaded. Abraham was persuaded. Abraham took God at his word and he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He would give him descendants as numerous as the stars. He didn't doubt it. He believed. Now, We looked at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and 12 a while ago. Take a look at the verses just before that and the verses after that in regards to Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11. Go back there with me. We're just going to finish this lesson off with those verses. The verses just before that, verses 8 down to verse 10, says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance... Obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now take a look at the verses immediately after the section we read a while ago. Verses 13 down to 16. All these people, the description that was mentioned, a bunch of different people before this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking the country they, left, they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All those people lived by faith. They just did what God told them to do. They didn't question God, they just did it. They walked by faith. And that's the kind of faith that the Apostle Paul was talking about in chapter 4 here, that we read about when he was talking about Abraham. And so, Abraham was looking forward to heaven. Abraham believed and he trusted God completely. It should be the same way for us today. We should have that kind of faith where we just take God at his word. We believe. We don't question God. We just take him at his word, and we do what he says. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. And if we have that kind of faith, then we are descendants of Abraham, and he is our father. Abraham, without hesitation, did whatever God asked without fully knowing what God's plans were for him. He just did it. And sometimes we run into situations like that where we wish we knew what God had planned for us. Because the direction we're going in, we feel confused, we feel lost. But we have to trust God. God knows what He's doing. God has a plan for us. So we have to follow God's instructions. We have to obey God and have faith. We need to believe. Abraham was fully persuaded. And he took God at his word. And he knew one day that he would be in heaven. That's what we just read. Do we have a faith like Abraham? Do you have a faith like Abraham? Are we equally persuaded the way Abraham was? Are we persuaded about Jesus? Are we persuaded about the gospel? Are we persuaded about the promise of eternal life living forever in heaven? Are we persuaded? Well, to those of you who have been saved already, the fact that you're here today is a clear indication that you are persuaded. If you didn't believe, if you were not persuaded, you wouldn't be here worshiping together right now. But you are persuaded because you want to remember the Lord on his day and you're here to worship. You are persuaded. Remember that God promised us good things and he always keeps his promises. We talked about that a while ago. God always keeps his promises. If you are here today and you have not heard the good news about Jesus, if you have not been told how you can live forever in heaven after this life on earth, won't you take the time to come forward? Speak to me or speak to someone else. Learn about salvation and the good life that can be yours after this life. Won't you make that decision today? Let's stand and sing our last song of the morning.